I know that I was lengthy last week. Uh, we're in the section now of Romans that is very practical. We have crossed the bridge through the theological sections of Romans, and we're now in the practical Christianity, the, the, the answer to the question, how then shall we live? What do we do now, now that we've been saved, now that we're in the church? How do we conduct ourselves? And so I'm going to pick up this morning at verse 3, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Having started with the believer's relationship to God, Paul is now going to move to the believer's relationship to the church, the body of Christ. Amen. If you stand with me. In today's passage, he describes the church as one body composed of many different members, and he sees each member as fulfilling a unique and vital role. We're going to take verses 3 through 8, and I'll read it, and I'll let you be seated. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Our ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We love you. We thank you for this opportunity to study the word of God. We're asking, Lord, you let it touch our hearts and impact our lives today. Lord, as we look at practical, real-world Christianity, help us to conform, God, to what the Word of God says. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, would you say amen? Amen, and you may be seated. Verse 3 said, For I say through the grace given unto me. When Paul says that, he's referencing his divine calling. The grace given to Paul is that of an apostle, and he is referencing that divine calling as an apostle. He's making clear that what he is saying, he's not saying just as a member of the church. He's operating in his official capacity as the apostle. It's intended to give some gravity to what's about to follow. It's intended to give some authority to what he's about to say as, as an apostle. According to the grace that God has given me, I say to you. So what he says here is directed to every man that is among you, to everyone. This is not exclusive to ministry. This is not exclusive to platform staff. This is not exclusive to Sunday school teachers. This is, this is to everyone who is in the church. Amen. That, that, that the, the King James Version says every man that is among you. And I, I want you to know that that is not necessarily intended to be gender specific. Amen. It is every one or every individual. He, he's not just saying that uh, men alone. Uh, possess this attribute, but every person who's in the church, amen, every man that is among you, that's, that's what he's addressing, every one of us. So the whole passage is directed to everyone who's in the church. This is what he says. We must be humble. That's a tough pill to swallow, amen. We're just talking about that. We have to be humble. We, we must recognize that God is the source of every good thing in our lives. We don't get the credit for any good that might come from our lives. We don't get the credit for any good thing that we might accomplish. We don't get the credit for any good that we might do. God does. Amen? And so we're to humble ourselves. We're to recognize that whatever good in our life that we have, it comes from God, amen? It's not, not from us. So after having instructed us in the previous verse, and we spent so long on last Sunday morning to continually have our minds renewed by the power of the Holy Ghost, now Paul starts telling us how a renewed mind should think, amen? 
That word think is the key to this passage. It occurs three different times in this verse. Amen. And it means to have a specific opinion or attitude towards something. And in this case, Paul is telling us how we should, what kind of attitude we should have towards ourselves. Amen. We've all got an attitude and opinion about everything else. But our opinion towards ourselves is very favorable all the time. Amen. The book of Proverbs said that every way of a man seems right to the man. Amen. We can justify whatever we want to do. We always think we're right. I know my wife and I argue every now and then, but it's only because she's wrong. Amen. Who else feels that way? Yeah, it's always, I'm right. Amen. But what Paul is saying is that we need to, we need to look at the attitude we have about ourselves. The attitude that we have towards us. We must not have too exalted of an opinion of ourselves because if we're not careful, we'll begin to get the mindset that the good in our lives comes from something that we did or because we're something special, because we're unique or because we're just good like that. We're not good like that. You're not good like that. I'm not good like that. Amen. And if we get that kind of a mindset, we begin to, the word that he uses, think more highly, it's, it's to overvalue. We begin to overvalue our gifts. We begin to overvalue our abilities. We begin to overvalue ourselves. And if we're not careful, we overvalue ourselves so much that we put our opinion ahead of God's. Amen? If we're not careful, we overvalue our, our way of thinking so much that it supplants God's will and purpose for our life. As a counterbalance to that then, Paul says that we must think soberly, which means to think clearly. It means to examine ourselves honestly. To honestly think about ourselves. Uh, you know, we buy too much of our own hype. We buy too much of our own promotion, self-promotion. Amen. The apostle is challenging us to take an honest look at ourselves and recognize that God has given every good gift that we have. God has given us every talent that we have. God has given us every blessing that we have. And just like he's gifted us, this is the key to the passage, just like he's gifted us, he's gifted every other person in the church. We tend to think we're special like that. But we're not. Amen. He's gifted you, and he's gifted me, and he's gifted every other person in the church. And in the regard of our giftings, in, the, in, in, in regard to the talents and abilities and blessings that we have in our life, we're no better than anybody else in the church. The same God that gifted us, gifted, gifted me, gifted Ryan, gifted uh, Sister Heiser. The same God that, that works in Brother Anderson's life works in and Sister Pendergrass's life. And he's, he's blessed them both. And, and, and I, I can't stand up and say, well, I'm special because I'm gifted. I'm special because I'm blessed. Amen. God's blessed me and he's blessed you too. That puts us all on common ground. There is no big me. And little you, everyone in the church is a sinner saved by grace and in need of the mercy of God. Amen. Every individual in the church has to recognize that anything good that comes from my life comes from God. It didn't come from something good in me. There's nothing good in me. Amen. Brother Bernard says that we're to arrive at this sober assessment of ourselves in accordance with the faith that God has given us. Faith can mean a lot of different things in the Scripture. And in this case, the kind of faith that Paul is talking about is the faith that enables us to live for God and to do a work for Him. This is the kind of faith that is the product of the Holy Ghost working in us and working in our lives. And so we're to think that way according to the Holy Ghost, according to the faith, according to that enabling ability of God that works within us. Because God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. When we recognize that that it's according to the power of God working in us, then it should cause us to consider our brothers and sisters in the Lord and realize they're gifted that way too. Amen? 
God has dealt to every one of us, each of us, the measure of faith. And they have been gifted a gift that enables them to be productive in the kingdom of God. That's the mindset that causes us to think soberly about ourselves. To recognize that, that the whole church, all of us, we need God. Amen. I can't exalt myself because I'm on the same level as everybody else. Amen. I can't get, you know, I could get all puffed up because I preach and bless God. That's a that that's a that's special. That's some kind of highlighted ministry. And I and I could get all full of myself, but before I do, I've got to realize the same God that gifted me to preach is the same God that gifted the janitor to, to clean the commodes. And there's no difference in the gifting. We were all gifted of God. Amen. Nobody wants to be the commode cleaner guy, right? But the point is that we all play a vital role in the church. And every one of us has a role to play in the church. Verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So Paul applies one of his better known analogies comparing the church to the human body. We've all heard this. It's mentioned several places in Scripture the, the, the body has many different parts, right? I have fingers, and I have toes, and I have a nose, and ears, and eyes. And these various parts or members of my body all have their own unique role, a specific function that they are gifted to accomplish. Amen. My big toe is not attractive. I keep it covered up all the time. But it helps me maintain my balance. Amen. Without my big toe, I couldn't have balance. My, my nose detects, now some have big noses, some have small noses, some have wide noses. Amen. All, all the noses are different, but our noses do the same thing. They help us detect a sense of, of smell. Amen. We're able, to, we're able to sense things that no other part of our body has the ability to sense that. Amen. Uh, the only member of my body that interprets light, that helps me to see. Or my eyes, amen, they, they help me, they have a role. The point is that every member of my body has a function, and they're all different, amen. Every member of my body has a role, and they're all unique, but there's only one body, and that one body has many different members that all have their own gift, and it's all unique. There's diversity in it, amen, Verse 5 says, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. So one body has many members and many members come together to make up one body. Can I tell you there's unity in variety and there's variety in unity? Amen. There is, there's diversity in unity. Amen. We don't all have to look the same. We're not a clone army. Amen. Anybody get the Star Wars reference? We don't all have to, we don't all have to look the same. We don't all have to think the same. Cade got it. Thank you, Cade. <laughs> we don't all have to look the same. We don't all have to march the same step. Amen. We don't all have to do the same thing. Amen. But the, it is our, our variety. It is our uniqueness. It is the, the, the capacity to be different and to be diverse. Uh, that isn't what separates us. That's what brings us together and makes us a body. That's what helps us to operate as the church. The church needs the diversity of gifts. The church needs the diversity and the uniqueness that every individual brings to it in order to accomplish its purpose. The church needs each individual's gift to be in operation if the church is going to be what the church is supposed to be. Your gift isn't like my gift. Your gift isn't supposed to be like my gift. Amen? Our gifts are different, and they're different by purpose. They're different by the plan of God. Amen. Sometimes we want everybody in the church to be just like us. But everybody in the church isn't supposed to be just like me. Now, we all, we all subscribe to common faith. Amen. We all subscribe to the common doctrine. Amen. We all hold the same truth. That's what brings us together as the church. But not everybody's anointed to play the keyboard. 
Not everybody's gifted as a Sunday school teacher, especially the primary age kids. You know, I'm, I'm lacking severely in that area. Amen? What we have, though, are gifts that God has given us, and the church needs all of our gifts in order to be the church that God has envisioned it to be. This is the point. Every member of the body matters, and every member of the body is dependent on the other members of the body. It's not just that the body isn't whole without a foot. It's that the foot isn't a foot without a body. We tend to think of that real easily the first way around. The body's not whole without me. It needs me. But the truth is, I need the body. Amen? A big toe can't provide balance if it's cut off from the body. The nose can't detect smells if there's not the, the, the olfactory senses in the brain. The eye can't find and, and operate and, and discern light and give vision if there's not an optic nerve that runs to it. Amen. The body needs me, and I need the body. The members of my body are mutually dependent upon one another. They can't exist alone. Amen. You cut my finger off and it's dead. You can bury it. It can't do anything else. Amen. It needs the body. It needs that flow. It needs that, that life-giving blood that flows from the body. Amen. I'm the same way in the church. I'm a member of the church and I'm gifted in the church and I have a purpose and I have a role in the church but sometimes I think I'm, I'm, I'm isolated. I can do whatever I want to do and the church needs me but that's as far as we go. The truth is I need the church. I can't be what God called me to be without fitting into the role that God has for me in the church. I can't fulfill the intended function that God has for me unless I put myself into the role that I'm supposed to play in the church. The church, likewise, can't be everything that God made for it to be won't accomplish everything that it is supposed to accomplish if I'm not there playing my vital role. Amen. Every member matters, right? So it matters that I'm in the church. It matters that I do what God called me to do. It matters, and if I forsake God's calling, it doesn't just impact me. It impacts the church. It impacts the body. If the toe decides to quit being a toe, amen, it doesn't just hurt the toe. It hurts the whole body. Amen? So there's a powerful concept at work here. We are necessary to each other. We are necessary to each other. The church is not just necessary to you. You're necessary to the church. No matter how humble my gift may be, I may be the toilet cleaner guy. But can I tell you something? The church needs a toilet cleaner guy. Nobody wants to be a part of a church that doesn't have a toilet cleaner guy. Amen? No matter how humble my gift may be, the, the body needs my gift, and every other member of the body needs me to do what only I can do. The other converse of that is true also. No matter how important my gift may seem to be, I am dependent on the rest of the body, the other members of the body, for my gift to be effective. I may be the pastor, but my role as pastor depends on there being people for me to pastor. Amen? Now, there are going to be people for me to pastor. It may be me and my wife and my two boys, but we're going to, we're going to fulfill that role. Amen? I need the church. I need a body. The prophet can prophesy all day long. But unless he's, Ezekiel, or unless he's fulfilling the commandment of God to prophesy to the wind, it matters that there's people that hear him. Amen? So I don't just belong to the body. The body belongs to me. That's why he says everyone members one of another. We are members of a single body, and because of that, we're members of each other. Amen? I belong to the body, and the body belongs to me. As a member of this glorious body called the church, I belong to you, and you belong to me. And the point is not that 
I have ownership over you or you have ownership over me, but rather that when I serve you, I serve myself. When I bless you, I bless myself. When I help you, I'm helping myself. And when I injure you, I injure myself. And when I cast you aside, I cast myself aside. Amen. We're, we, can't, we can't separate ourselves from the body. We're, we're, whether we like it or not, we're in this thing together, honey. Amen. That is what causes us to realize the role that we play in the church. We, we need each other. That's what causes us not to think too highly of ourselves, but to be sober, to be honest about the role that we play because we need the church and, and the church needs us. And we'll never be able to fulfill God's purpose for our lives living in a vacuum. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to cross. I, I don't mind crossing theological swords while I'm in the word of God. You need a church. You need to belong to a body. You can't go lead your family to heaven without a church. That's Bible. Amen. You need a place to fit in. You need a community of faith. Faith was never intended to be lived in isolation. And faith was never intended to be lived outside of a community. Even Jesus Christ calls together 12 men and says, come walk with me. Even Jesus Christ goes into the most defining crisis of his life. And calls three men apart from the twelve and says, come pray with me. You need community. If Jesus Christ put himself into community, you, you, you're not, you're not uh, better than he was. Amen. You need the community of the church. You need the community of the body of Christ. You were never meant to live in a vacuum apart from the church. You cannot live spiritually apart from the church. Amen? Having then, verse 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. I'm going to stop right there and I'll pick up the rest of the verse in a minute. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. Remember, this passage was addressed in verse 3 to all of us. Every man, woman, and child in the church. And Paul declares now that we all have gifts. See, we've been talking about this gift stuff, and some of you have been thinking, well, you know, I know who the song leader is. I know who the, the platform musicians are. I know who the singers are. I know who the Sunday school teacher is, the sound guy, the, the, the different ones that have roles with you. I'm just, I'm just a spectator. That's not true. Every one of us has a gift. Every one of us has a part that we are called by God to play in the body of Christ. We, we've been given a gift, and it's not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of the body. Amen? God called me to preach. He didn't call me to stand in the mirror and preach to myself. He called me to preach to the body. Amen? That gift isn't mine for my benefit. That gift is his for the benefit of his church. Does that make sense? Amen. I, I, don't, I, I can't operate that gift in isolation. And, and, and I come to tell you in this place this, this morning, uh, you're not unique in the fact that you've been given gifts and callings. Amen. You've got a gift and you've got a calling and so does every other person in the church. And you're not unique in the fact that you've been left out and you don't have a calling. Amen. There's nobody under the sound of my voice that's been left out and doesn't have a calling or a place or a purpose to operate in the church church. Amen? You've not been excluded. Gifts and callings are not something that God gives just to certain ones in the church. God gives gifts and callings to every member of this body. We were created to fit into a role, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of the body. Amen? Not just so that we can say, hey, I've got a job that I do and I, I'm something important, but because the body needs the job that I 
do. Amen. So you, you have to ask yourself then, if you're in this house, you're under the sound of my voice, you're wondering, well, okay, well, where do I fit in? Where, where do I, what, what is my gift? What is my call? What is my role? That's something you need to take to, to your prayer closet. You need to get with you and God, and you need to, get to ask yourself in prayer and ask God in prayer, what is it that you've called me to do? What is the unique gift that you've given me? God's given me a gift that's not like anybody else's. I can't say, well, I'm called to be like Ryan. I wish I could play like Ryan and sing like Ryan. Amen? I'm not called to be like Ryan. I'm not called to be a better version of Ryan or a worse version of Ryan. It would be much worse, I promise. I'm called to be a better version of me. I'm called to be what God called me to be, and God has given me giftings. And, and I will say this also, the giftings that we're talking about, we talk about, I've been talking about them in kind of a singular sense, but that, that's not the way it operates, amen. Lot, many are gifted in multiple areas, in multiple ways, and, and God will use you if you will make yourself available to him, amen. And not every gift is something that you're going to see on the platform. There are prayer warriors that nobody else knows their name, Amen. There are people who come and clean this church. I've been talking about the toilet cleaner guy, but it's not really a guy. Not most of the time, anyway. There are ladies that fill that role. They come down and they, they clean this church. They, re, they give of their time voluntarily to make sure that the, the church is ready to accept guests. Sometimes they do it twice a week because sometimes we're messy around here on Wednesday night. Amen? If you're not operating in the calling, or if you don't know your calling, you need to put yourself in the presence of God and say, Lord, help me to hear. Help me to see. Help me to understand what is it that I can do. Because there's a role where you belong. And it, it, and it may be as simple as, as pray. You, maybe God says, okay, well, pray for the pastor. And if I'm faithful in praying for the pastor, then God says, okay, I'm going to grow you a little bit. And I'm going to step into another role. Rows and levels of, of authority and dimensions of authority, they, they come one built on another, and they're based on faithfulness. When he looks at us that day in, in the, the final call of eternity and judges our life, he will say to those that have been faithful, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? The Scripture says those are faithful over small things. He makes them faithful over bigger things. We all aspire to big rows. You don't, you can't, it's not that, it's not that you, you, you can't do a big row. It's that you can't handle a big row until you learn to handle small rows. Well, if I had a million dollars, man, I, I would be, how many have thought that? Man, I, my life would be set. I'd be set for the rest of my life. But you can't make a paycheck last a week. And that you'll learn when you get your million dollars, there's not a difference between your paycheck and the million dollars. It just lasts longer before it runs out. Because if you can't learn to make a paycheck last week, you can't learn to make a million dollars last a year or a month or however long it is. That's the truth. Amen? So the problem is that we, we think of every role in the church as revolving around a platform. Not every role in the church is as prominent as platform ministry, but no role in the church is less vital than or, or is more vital than any other. Amen. Every role in the church is as important as the roles that you see on the platform. I, I'm going to use Brother Donnie for example. He's not here this morning, and y'all can tell him or not tell him. I don't know whether he'd mind or not. I, I can't ask his permission. But Brother Donnie, he retired a year or so back. And whenever he finally retired from his job, he came to me. He said, Pastor, there's not a lot I can do around the church, but one thing I, I love to do is help maintain the yard and do that kind of stuff. He said, I, I'm not working a secular job anymore. He said, I want to give one day a week to the church the same way I would have given it to my job. And so Brother Donnie, he comes down here to the church one day a week. I, I don't always know what day it's going to be. I, I drive by and try to make a point of driving by sometimes in the afternoon to see him here working and doing what he does.
fresh gravel out. Had a couple of different times we put gravel out, and we had uh, the the edges were kind of ragged and all that, and and the way the equipment leaves it. Brother Donnie come down here with a, a rake, and he rakes the edges on the drive in the parking lot straight, and he sprays Roundup under there, and he he takes uh, the planter and, and underneath the sign in front of the church that has been empty for as long as we've owned it. And he says, Pastor, I want to, are you okay? Are you okay if I pass, if I plant some flowers there? Is it okay for me to plant some flowers in the planter? Yeah, it's okay. Uh, a matter of fact, I'll pay for them. No, no, I'm not asking you to pay for them. I just want to know if it's okay if I can plant some flowers. So he builds a box and he he makes a, a flower bed there and he and there there are flowers out there right now because Brother Donnie said I want to give myself to what I can do I can't do much and you you don't ever see him doing what he does you may never notice what he does you may not have noticed until I mentioned it that the line, the parking lot is straightened up out there but that doesn't really matter he has a job that he can do he has a talent. Has a gifting, he has an ability, and he's made up his mind to apply himself to that gifting, to that talent, to that ability. So you you don't have to see him doing it. He doesn't have to get any praise or honor for it. Amen. He just said, I want to volunteer. I want to bless the church. I want to operate in the gift and the calling that God has given me. Amen. Now, use Brother Donnie's example, but not, there, there's probably nobody else in the church that's called to go edge the, the parking lot. Amen? But you do have a calling. There is something that you can put your hand to. There is something that you can do. Amen. You, you, you can spend time in prayer and say, God, would you show me your will? Would you show me your way? But somewhere along the way, you've got to be obedient to that will and that way. And you've got to come and say, Pastor, is it okay if I do this? Amen? Can I do this? There's a role that I see where I might could help. Uh, we, we're always needing volunteers to pick people up for church. We're always needing volunteers to, to operate in different... We put out lists earlier in the year of, of places that we needed help and asked for help. Amen. There, there are places that you can work in the church. Whatever your gift is, whatever the role is that you can play, whatever it is that you can do, you've got to make up your mind to do that. And do it to the best of your ability. Amen. To do it to the best that you can. Amen. I, you may not be uh, the, the best toilet guy in the world, but you're going to be the best that you can be. Amen. Amen. So the whole point of this passage is that every gift is equally necessary to the body and every one of us has a gift. Amen. Now, what follows is a list of seven gifts that are in operation in the church. And some instructions are given on how to operate in them. This is not an all-inclusive list. This is not the only seven gifts that are in the church. This is given as a good representation of the various gifts that are available and operating in the body of Christ. Okay, the first one is this. Let us, he says, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So prophecy is divine. It's a divinely inspired utterance. It's speaking to edify others. It can mean a public pronouncement of future events that have not occurred, but it doesn't have to mean that. As a matter of fact, the context and the usage here uh, probably has a much more general meaning. What we're talking about here is the anointed proclamation of preaching. The preacher preaches with a prophetic anointing. Amen? Anybody ever sat in church service and said, man, I felt like the preacher was reading my mail? That's a prophetic anointing. The preacher ministers in a prophetic anointing. Amen? So he says if someone has that gift, he should exercise it according to the proportion of faith. This is why I say that this is probably not talking about the public pronouncement of future events, but is more the ministry and the preaching of the Word of God because this according to the proportion of, it doesn't say his faith. It doesn't say the faith in the King James, but it does in the Greek. The Greek includes the definitive article, the. 
And it's speaking of the body of beliefs, of the faith that we all hold in common. What Paul is saying is if you preach, if you have the gift of preaching, then preach in agreement with the precious faith that has been delivered to the church. Amen. Preach in agreement with the doctrine that is the core belief, the cornerstone of the church. That should govern your preaching. Don't just preach what people want to hear. Don't just preach what people think sounds good. Don't just preach what you think will make you popular. Doctrinal preaching won't make you popular. Amen? But when you preach, preach according to the faith, according to the proportion of faith. And so you should avoid anything that disagrees with the faith. Amen? The second gift that he lists in verse 7, the first part, our minister or ministry... Let us wait on our ministry. Ministry means service. This isn't talking about preaching. That was prophecy. This is talking about serving others. If your spiritual gift is serving, then you should serve others with your whole heart. Amen. You should do it with everything you have. That phrase, let us wait on our ministering, it's kind of rough in the, in the Greek and it's kind of rough in the English translation. They, they say of this chapter that Paul is using very short, shortened Greek. It's kind of a poetic sense that flows through here. And so the short, concise statements have a lot of meaning packed into them. They're sometimes difficult to translate. But it seems what Paul is trying to say here, it's not intended to be let us wait to minister. It's more as an invitation. Let us, let us minister. Let us, if it's service, then let us wait on others. If if we're called to serve people, if that's what you have a talent for, then exercise that talent. Oh, I didn't know. There's, I thought there was just pulpit ministry. I thought there was just the music guy. No, there's a ministry of service. Amen? Those guys that put Brother Anderson into his car every service, that's a ministry of serving. Amen. Those people that, that help the elderly in off the parking lot, that's a ministry of serving. That's a gift. That's a calling. And he said, if that's your gift, then do it. Amen. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Step up and serve your brother and your sister. Step up and serve somebody else in the kingdom of God. Amen. It says, or he that teacheth, own teaching. So a person with a gift of teaching is someone divinely gifted with a special ability to interpret and present the word of God understandably. Amen. So Paul is saying if you've been given the ability to teach, then apply yourself to it. Do it. Do it with your whole heart. Do it with everything you have. He goes on in verse 8 and says, Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Exhorting or exhortation has to do with giving encouragement. Oh, you mean that's a gift? Sister uh, Mary Ellen Harris, uh, not Harris anymore. Sister Mary Ellen, I'll stop right there. Aunt Mary is gifted. Amen. She, I could wear the ugliest thing in my closet and she'd say, man, you look nice today. I could preach the worst sermon of my life. She said, that is good. Can I get a tape? Amen. Y'all don't even know what a tape is anymore. Yeah, will it be on the download site? Amen. She is an encourager. That's her gift. That's her ministry. That's what she does. Some of you are sitting back there saying, oh, Lord, I don't know what I can do. I don't know where I can fit into the kingdom of God. The reason Paul puts this list in here is because ministry isn't everything we think it is. There's a ministry of being a servant. There's a ministry of being an encourager, of blessing people. Amen. You can just stand at the back door and shake everybody's hand and say, man, you look nice today, and somebody's going to walk by you that needs to hear that. And it's a ministry. It's a way you bless them. And the church needs that. Amen. So if you've been given the ability to encourage, then apply yourself to that. He goes on and says, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Now, giving is exactly what it sounds like. It's giving. It has to do with sharing your blessings, both material blessings and, and other blessings that you have with the church and with others. If you've been given the ability to give, if, now you know whether or not you've been gifted with the ability to give. 
There's some people you don't have two pennies to roll, rub together. There's some people you have an abundance. There's some people that you should have an abundance, but you waste it. But I'm not going to counsel on finances today. I'm just going to preach the word of God. Some of you, maybe God's trying to gift you, and you're not letting the gift operate. Amen? But if you've been given the ability to give, he said, then give. That's a calling. That's a gift. That's a ministry to the church and to you. If, you will, if you've been given the ability to give, then give. Give to the church. Give to others. Give as often as you can. Give liberally. Give with blessing. Don't give with a begrudging heart. Give. Why? Because he that is given to you will give unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen. If you'll give, you'll get back more than you gave. That's what the scripture, that's the principle of the word of God. Amen. So God has blessed you with the ability to give. Think about it. Maybe God has blessed you with the ability to give because that's your gift. Because that's your role. Because that's what you're able to do. And he wants to utilize that gift in the body of Christ. Fulfilling that gift is going to bless you. It's going to bless the people that you, you're able to help. Amen. Not, well, I'm not just talking about tithe and offering. I, I am talking about tithe and offering. But I'm not just talking about tithe and offering. We're raising money to send kids to camp. That's a way you can give. Amen. We're giving a free meal tonight, spaghetti dinner for volunteer or, or for donations. Amen. You could go in there and you could eat your heart's. Uh, delight of spaghetti and you can put down a five dollar bill and walk nobody's going to say anything to you amen but you know and god knows whether or not you could give amen or you could get in there and eat that spaghetti dinner that probably uh is is not red lobster but give like you ate at red lobster if you've been gifted to give he says give amen boy preacher's talking about money now i'm gonna have to stay home next sunday and got all meddling in my business and quit preaching. God cares what you do with your money too. He really does. And this is the, it's a simple principle. He said, if you'll bless, I'll bless. I'll give you resources. And if you'll use those resources in the gifting I've given you, I'm going to make sure the resources are there. There's a little lady with a, meal, a, a barrel of meal that can testify to the fact that if you give what you got, God will give it back over and abundantly beyond anything you could ever think or imagine. Amen? Verse 8, the, the, the next passage says, He that ruleth with diligence. So ruling here has to do with leadership. It has to do with being a leader in the church, and leaders are to exercise that role with diligence or with carefulness, with earnestness. They're not to be dictators but they're to be examples and servants to everybody that are exercised good sense and caution to protect the body of Christ, that to do what they do with diligence. And then the next part says, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Showing mercy has to do with being merciful and kind to others. Amen. That includes visiting the sick. That includes helping the poor. That includes assisting the widows and the orphans. Amen. We have widows and we have orphans and we ought to help them. Amen. To show mercy cheerfully means that I don't do it from a sense of duty. I don't do it with a begrudging heart, but I do it with a joyful heart. The gift of mercy characterizes what it means to be a Christian church. Amen. We, we received mercy and the scripture said, as you've received it, so you should give it. Amen? That's a calling that every one of us can fulfill in our life. We've received mercy. Let us give mercy. Amen? So I know I'm going long again. I'm not even going to try to apologize. I'm just going to try to wrap things up here. Where every one of us is gifted. We, we each have a gift. Some of us have more than one gift. The point of the passage is that not that you could elevate one gift and say, well, that, that prophetic gift, that's more important than that, that mercy gift. No, not at all. Amen. The point is that each of us is important to the body of Christ. The, the body belongs to you, but you belong to the body. The church was made for you, but you were also made for the church. Amen. You, you, can't, you don't exist in a vacuum by yourself. What God has given you to do in the church, it's not your gift. It's the church's gift that God is trying to give 
the church through you. Amen. You, we tend to think of this thing in, in the wrong kind of terms. We think that uh, we, 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 can, we can do or not do what God has called us to do, and we're the only one impacted by it. That's absolutely not the truth. God has given you a call and a purpose for your life, and whether or not you fulfill it impacts the church. What Paul is doing is he's inviting us to think of the church as community. And inviting us to think of ourselves as members of a community, not as individuals, not as separate entities that can go and do whatever we want to do. So often we think of our gifts in personal terms. I'm a preacher, and if I choose to preach, that's good. But if I choose not to preach, then that won't affect anybody but me. That is wrong. That could Nothing could be further from the truth. The ministry that God has given me is not for me. It's for the church. Amen. God's trying to bless the church through me. The gifting that God has given me doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God and to the church. He gave it to me for the church. Amen. So if I hold my peace, if I don't preach, I'm hindering God from delivering to the church the gift or blessing that he intended through my life for the church. I know I'm out there, and some of you guys, I may have lost you a little while ago, and I apologize. Let me see if I can get it right down here where it belongs. Brother Ryan doesn't sing because he's good at it. He sings because God has given him a gift of ministry. And he sings to serve the church. And if you neglect that ministry... If you decide there are things that are more important to you than the role that God has given you to play, you don't just hurt yourself. You hurt the body of Christ. You hurt the church. My toe may be a little insignificant part of my body, but when it's broke, my whole body knows it. It hurts the whole body. We need to get away from the notion of thinking of my gift and my calling. And recognize that the gifts that God has given to me belong as much to the church as they do to me. They belong as much to his kingdom as they do to me. I've been given a vital role. I've been given a call and a purpose. And if I neglect that role, I hurt the body and I hurt myself. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I know I've been long again. So much. I'm going to be honest with you. I hadn't been half as long as I could have been. So much here. So much. It was never intended that the church would be a gathering of individuals. Separate entities. Who can just do what they want to do when they want to do it. And be their own man or woman and and it not have any impact on anybody. It was always intended that the church is a community. It is a body. And it is dependent on every single individual to fulfill the calling, the purpose. When you're not here, you may think nobody notices, but the church notices. And when you're not here, whenever you, whenever you decide to do your own thing, there is a ministry that goes unfulfilled. Yes, you. Every individual. You're vital. You're important. You matter. This morning, we need to relinquish our hold on our callings, our hold on our giftings. We need to give it back to God. We need to recognize what it means to exist in community. The scripture said in the New Testament church that they sold all they had. They sold all their worldly possessions they came together and they lived in community. They shared. 
what was mine is yours and what was yours is mine. And they, they had that communal environment. It's not practical in the day and age we live in to do that. And I'm not asking you to sell everything you have and let's all go live together in Kumbaya camp somewhere. I am asking you, though, to recognize that this is a community. And there is a vital role that you play that God has gifted you for, that he has anointed you for, that he has called you for. And if you, if you walk away from that role, does that mean that God won't ever be able to find somebody else to, to step in and fill that role? No, that's not what it means, but it does mean nobody will ever feel it the way you would have filled it. What you take away from the church when you leave what you take away from the body of Christ when you walk away is something that is not replaceable because you are unique. You matter. I'm asking you for a few moments on a Sunday morning if you come find a place of prayer or even kneel where you are. And if you take a few moments and you just tell the Lord, I recognize. First, I have to submit to you. I have to surrender my heart, my will, my purpose to your call, to your plan. And then I recognize the debt I owe to the, yes, I said debt, the debt I owe to the church. I owe it to the church to be what you've called me to be. I owe it to the church to fulfill the ministry that you've called me to fulfill. I owe it to the church Jesus, in your name, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost flowing in this place right now. This precious, precious Spirit of God is speaking into hearts and lives. You need to realize, you need to recognize you're not an island, you don't exist by yourself. What you do and where you go and how you move from this service and how you move forward for the rest of your life, it has an impact. It matters. You matter. I'm asking you this morning if you'd turn your heart towards heaven. Is there some under the sound of my voice you're asking the Lord, what is my calling? What is my gifting? And I've already read several this morning that any, any individual could step into service and encouragement and mercy. We can all do that. And I'm going to promise you that as you become faithful in those things, God will show you other areas where you can operate and where you can move and where you can minister. And, and, and the, the scripture, uh, the, 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 the common uh, vernacular is that a man's gift makes room for itself. And what that means is that, that if you'll operate, if you'll begin to work, amen, God will not just give you a calling and a gift to me. He'll make a place, amen. Just like Brother Donnie and the, and the can, I, can I help with the church? Can I help around the churchyard? I didn't have to go and ask him to do that. Amen. God laid it on his heart, and he came and asked, can I do that? Amen. God will make an opportunity. He'll make a way for you to be involved, to be fulfill a calling. I'm asking if you just turn your heart to him and say, Lord, I submit myself to you. I surrender. First, I have to humble myself. I have to not think too highly of myself. I have to think of myself soberly, honestly. That's the hardest thing to get by is being honest with myself about myself. But if I can be honest with myself, then I have to recognize there's a call. I have to answer that call. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever obstacles I've got to get through, whatever whatever's required of me, I am, must be faithful to the call of God that's on my life.